is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Wednesday, the 24th day of January 2024, which means one month ago today, it was Christmas Eve. And that seems like forever ago. Yet at the same time, 1984 seems like only yesterday. So it... uh, it is it is amazing that uh, time flies. Our perceptions of time are so interesting, especially as we get older. Um, uh, young people are like, what is he talking about? Yeah, just wait. Um, I remember uh, one of my employees was talking. We were we were at uh, when I was running security at the mill in Bonner, and we were in the gatehouse just talking, and he was talking about how. You know, the year seemed to have flown by. And I said, yeah, you know, each year gets faster. And uh, he had been out of high school for six years. And I said, okay, you've been out of high school for six years. You were in high school for four years. Which is a larger chunk of your memory? Your four years of high school or the six years since high school? And he just got this funny look on his face. He says, man, you're right. You know, high school lasted forever. And yet now, at almost 60 years old, I look at four years blazing by. And, uh, you know, it, it four years is nothing. But the four years of high school are forever. And, and still... You know, my, I've got my 40th high school reunion coming up this, this summer, you know, this spring will be 40 years since I graduated from high school. And even now, those four years of high school are a large chunk of my memory. The, the, the quote unquote formative years, um, and because those formative years are so important, that's one of the reasons why I'm dedicated to youth ministry and one of the reasons why I work with the youth group and work at camp because that's an important time in the life of a human being. And it's a, it's a time that stays with you in a way more than any other time of your life. Now, there are, there are all sorts of milestones, you know, getting married, the birth of your first child. The, you know, there's all sorts of milestones in life that are important, high points and peaks. But those, those teenage years is such a formative time, and, and it's important. So pray for young people. I, I was talking to a friend this weekend about how glad we were that we didn't grow up with the internet. We didn't grow up with cell phones. 
we grew up in a time before all that. Now they they had we had cell phones in the eighties, but you know they were they were phones. You picked them up and you talked to them. They didn't have texting. You 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 would call somebody and talk to them, and none of us had them. <laughs> you know, uh, my dad had one because he was a building contractor, and so he was you know always out on a job site. And the thing was, it was the old brick phone, you know, big, big, huge thing. But it that was high tech. That was, I mean, you know, that was that was awesome high tech stuff. Um. So you had, you know, that, and and I mean, I said my my high school had, well, six or eight computers, all TRS eighty Model threes and Model fours. They were in the computer lab, and the only kids who used them were the computer science kids. The church or the church, the school office didn't have a computer. the 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 school secretary didn't have a computer. the The principal didn't have a computer. None of the teachers had computers. If they did, I mean, they may have one at home, but laptops were not a thing yet. Um, and and I, I I was you know they've there's been several um, news stories about schools that have banned cell phones from their students and what a struggle it was at first but how they have seen grades go up since they did that that's something to think about and that's something that. Uh, you know, there was something to be said for not having the constant distraction of a screen. Um, I was thinking about that the other day. It's like, I would read more if I didn't have this computer in front of me all the time. And I read a lot. <laughs> you know, you, you can see the bookcases behind me. I read a lot. And there's a stack of books on the floor next to me to be read. So... As someone who reads a lot, knowing that I would read more if I didn't, you know, have Twitter on my phone. Um, times I, I remember when I used to not go anywhere without a book. And you'd have five minutes, you know, waiting at a doctor's office or, or you know, I if you're eating alone, I remember this distinctly, you know, if, if I was eating alone, I'd get half a chapter in between the time I ordered my food and it got delivered to my table. I'd just sit there with my book. Um, and then always went everywhere with a book and every free moment, if I had to kill four or five minutes somewhere, I'd open up that book and I would read. And now it's, you know, pull up the phone and play a stupid game. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but at the same time, I'd, re I'd read more if I didn't have that cell phone all the time. I'd read more if I didn't have the computer in front of me all the time. So, you know, maybe, maybe I need to think about my screen time. And maybe you do too, but wait until after the podcast. You can you can you can finish the podcast, then moderate your screen time. This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and anything else I want to talk about. 
We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the audio podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. I had to end the double your money back thing. It was just costing me too much. <laughs> all right. What do we got coming up today? We have scripture readings from the Legacy Standard Bible. We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And then our study Bible level. Bible study continues. We got two more paragraphs in Deuteronomy 25 to look at today. No chopping off of hands today. So relax. All right. Well, uh, big news. Uh, not surprising news, but big news was uh, Donald Trump's victory over Nikki Haley uh, yesterday in the New Hampshire primary. Um, New Hampshire really was Nikki Haley's one shot to try to derail Trump. Um, the CNN exit polls uh, concluded that um, 70% of Nikki Haley's support was not Republicans. It was independents and crossover Democrats who voted for Nikki Haley um, in an effort to stymie Trump. And even with all of that, she still lost by 11 or 12 percentage points. Um, I saw one story that Donald Trump beat... Bernie Sanders' 2016 record for the most votes um, received in a New Hampshire primary and for the highest percentage of votes received in a New Hampshire primary. The, both of those records were, were set by Bernie Sanders in 2016, and Trump broke them both. Um, I, think, I think people are making a mistake if they think there's no enthusiasm for Donald Trump. I think a lot of people are realizing how much better off we were four years ago. And they want all of the mess that the Biden administration has created undone. Um, I think there is strong support. And quite frankly, you know, of course, God's sovereign and anything could happen. But I, I, I'm seeing Donald Trump as the next president of the United States. Um, which is going to be interesting because he only has four years. He will only be able to serve one term. He won't be able to run for re-election in 2028. So this could be an interesting, interesting four years. Now, obviously, if Biden won, he couldn't, he'd only have four more years. But, you know, when a, when a president enters his second term, he usually already has key staff members and stuff in place. Well, the Trump administration ended four years ago. So all of those staff positions and stuff are vacant. So he's going to have to reconstitute his government when he comes back in. Um, and and I, 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 like I said, anything can happen. We got a year, you know, um, 
and he's in his late seventies. Um, now he's 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 younger than Biden. He's obviously more together than Biden. Um, but you know, I mean, you could have a thirty-five-year-old candidate, and he may not make it a year. Um, just statistically, people die at every age. Um, so you know that we we just we plan on both Biden and Trump being around in November of next year, but that may or may not happen. And if, and, and if something happens where either Trump or Biden cannot run for president come November, it's going to be chaos. Um, cause the, I mean, Nikki Haley is the only other person still in the race, and nobody wants her. Nobody wants her. She's not going to be, you know, if you'd have taken away, if you took away 70% of her vote in New Hampshire that wasn't Republican, she'd have been sitting, you know, maybe 15%, and Trump would have gotten the rest. Trump would be at, you know, 85% of the vote in New Hampshire, that's, you know, that's an amazing, I don't know, what's, you know, that's an amazing thing to think about. So, um, you know, she, nobody, nobody wants Nikki Haley. Um, and if, if something happened to Trump in the next year, the Republicans would turn elsewhere. Now the, the, the establishment want Haley. She's the next Mitt Romney or John McCain. She's not, you know, she's not the conservative choice. She's certainly not the, the MAGA choice. Um, and I, I do believe the Republican rank and file has moved on from the John McCain, Mitt Romney uh, establishment candidate. I think... If, if the Republican Party ended up putting forward somebody like that, you would see some sort of huge third party push that might end the Republican Party. I don't know. I don't think it would take the White House this time, but it might it would end the Republican Party. Not necessarily a bad thing, but it would be a bad thing this time around. We need to stop the left. And right now, the, the only horse in the race is Donald Trump. He's not perfect. You know, like I said, I've been a DeSantis guy. You know, in 2016, I was a Scott Walker guy. Um, I, I do have, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I agree with a lot of what Trump did. <laughs> um, I, I, there's a huge part of me that wishes he would express himself better. Um, I, I would, if I, if, if I could give Donald Trump 10% of the character and 10% of the communication skills of Ronald Reagan with the wave of a magic wand, I'd do it. Um, you know, it just, it, it there, there's, you know, I, I was, uh, who was it? Uh, somebody was pointing out the fact that, uh, there was a, tweet I read, and I'm trying to remember who, who tweeted it, um, but somebody was pointing out the fact that, that Donald Trump refuses to admit when he was wrong, 
and he clearly was wrong on COVID. Yet just a couple of weeks ago, he said in an interview that his administration's COVID response was perfect. Um, it wasn't. COVID is probably the only really black spot on his first term. Um, it was his handling of COVID and the shutdown and all of that. But he refuses to admit that that was an error. Well, it was. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the, his arrogance and his inability to admit his, his faults is, you know, there's, there is no humility in Donald Trump. But at the same time, from a purely pragmatic point of view, his four years were much better than Biden's have been. And I think uh, with a rematch of, of Trump-Biden, there's, there's, there's a lot of buyer's remorse with Biden. And so, I'm, I, you know, people say, well, Trump won't get the moderates. He won't get the, yeah, he will. When it comes down to the general election and it's Trump and Biden and people remember how good off they were, how good off, <laughs> well off they were, um, compared to today when Trump was president, how much stronger America was economically, militarily, diplomatically than today, the border, the, you know, that's a huge thing, the border. Um, so you're going to have a lot of people who, you know, will quote unquote, hold their nose and vote for Trump because we were better off when he was president. Um, hopefully that translates down ticket. Um, it would be great if, uh, the Republicans gain in the House and take the Senate back. Um, and if that happens, hopefully this time around, the, the House and Senate would cooperate with President Trump um, instead of being derailed by all the Russian collusion stuff. All right, let's move on. <laughs> um, the, we weren't getting into that today, but uh, I, I, you know, with the primary yesterday, I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Yes, I am drinking my coffee from a Rush Limbaugh mug. All right. Let us now begin, <laughs> 20 minutes into the program, let us now begin with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, Grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, 
that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right. Our scripture readings today are going to be Genesis 31 and Psalm 31. Excuse me. All right. Uh, Genesis 31. Then Jacob heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that belonged to our father, and from what belonged to our father he has made all this wealth. And Jacob saw the face of Laban, and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. Then Yahweh said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kin, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah and his flock in the field, to his flock in the field. And he said to them, I see your father's face, and it is not friendly toward me as formerly. But the God of my father has been with me. You also know that I have served your father with all my power. Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to harm me. If he spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flock bore speckled. And if he spoke thus, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has delivered your father's livestock and given them to me. Now it happened at the time when the flock were, flocks were mating, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. He said, Lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your kin. Then Rachel and Leah said to him, Do we still have any portion or inheritance in our father's house? Are we not counted by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has entirely consumed our purchase price. Surely all the riches which God has delivered over to us from our father belong to us and our children. Now then, do whatever God has said to you. Then Jacob arose and put his children and his wives upon camels, and he drove away all his livestock and all his possessions which he had accumulated, his acquired livestock which he had accumulated in Padam Aaron, in order to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Now Laban had gone to shear his flock. Then Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob deceived Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he was fleeing. So he fled with all that he had, and he arose and crossed the river and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. Then it was told to Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled. So he took his relatives with him and pursued him a distance of seven days' journey. And he overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. And God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream of the night and said to him, Beware, lest you speak to Jacob either good or bad. So Laban caught up with Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his relatives camped in the hill country of Gilead. Then Laban said to Jacob, 
What have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and deceive me and not tell me, so that I might have sent you away with gladness and with songs, with tambourine and with lyre, and not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters? Now you have acted foolishly. It is in my hand to do evil against you, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Beware of speaking either good or evil to Jacob. So now you have indeed gone away, because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, because I said, Lest you take your daughters from me by force. The one with whom you find your God shall not live. In the presence of our relatives, recognize what is yours among my belongings and take it for yourself. But Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two maidservants, but he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household items and put them in the camel's saddle, and she sat on them. And Laban felt through all the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let not my lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the household idols. Then Jacob became angry and contended with Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my transgression? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Though you have felt through all my goods, what have you found of all your household goods? Place it here before my relatives and your relatives, that they may decide between us two. These twenty years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten the rams of your flock. That, that which was torn of beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was, by day the heat consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flock, and you changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the dread of Isaac had not been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty." God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, so he rendered the decision last night. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, and the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these daughters of mine and to their children whom they have borne? So now come, let us cut a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. Then Jacob took a stone and raised it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his relatives, Gather stones. So they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. And Laban called it Jagar Sehadutha, but Jacob called it Gilead, or Galid. Then Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore it was named Galaid and Mizpah, for he said, May Yahweh watch between you and me when we are absent one from the other. If you afflict my daughters, or if you take wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. And Laban said to Jacob, 
Behold this heap, and behold the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness, that I will not pass by this heap to you for harm, and you will not, not pass by this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the dread of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his relatives to eat a meal. And they ate the meal and spent the night on the mountain. And Laban arose early in the morning and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. Now Psalm 31. For the choir director, a psalm of David. In you, O Yahweh, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness protect me. Incline your ear to me. Deliver me quickly. Be to me a rock of strength, a fortress to save. For you are my high rock and my fortress. For your name's sake you will lead me and guide me. You will bring me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. In your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Yahweh, God of truth. I hate those who regard worthless idols, but I trust in Yahweh. I will rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness, because you have seen my affliction. You have known the troubles of my soul, and you have not given me over to the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a large place. Be gracious to me, O Yahweh, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted away from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is worn down with sorrow, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. Among all my adversaries I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man, out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. For I have heard the report, the bad report of many. Terror is on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they schemed to take my life. But as for me, I trust in you, O Yahweh. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who pursue me. Make your face to shine upon your slave. Save me in your loving kindness. O Yahweh, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them be silent in Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak arrogantly against the righteous with lofty pride and contempt. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have worked for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. You hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be Yahweh, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. As for me, I said in my alarm, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried to you for help. O oh, love Yahweh, all you his holy ones. Yahweh guards the faithful, but repays fully the one who acts 
in lofty pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for Yahweh. This is the word of the Lord. Now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ by John MacArthur. Today's devotional is of dogs and swine. Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Matthew 7, 6. Dr. MacArthur writes, It is clear from this verse that Jesus doesn't exclude every kind of judgment. Here he commands a specific type. But to obey his command, you need to know who the dogs and swine represent. In biblical times, dogs were largely half-wild mongrels that acted as scavengers. They were dirty, greedy, snarling, and often vicious and diseased. No responsible Jew would ever throw to a dog a piece of holy meat that had been consecrated as a sacrifice in the temple. Since no man was allowed to eat this meat, how much less should it have been thrown to wild, filthy dogs? Swine were considered by the Jews to be the epitome of uncleanness. Like the scavenging dogs, these swine were greedy, vicious, and filthy. Dogs and swine represent those who, because of their great perversity and ungodliness, refuse to have anything to do with the holy and precious things of God except to trample them under their feet, turning and tearing God's people to pieces. Jesus' point is that certain truths and blessings of our faith are not to be shared with people who are totally antagonistic to the things of God. Such people have no appreciation for what is holy and righteous. They will take that which is holy, the pearls of God's word, as foolishness and an insult. We need not waste God's holy word on those who both reject it and mock it. Ask yourself, what are some specific situations in your own daily experience where the wisdom of this statement really comes into play? What should you watch for in others to see whether they're perhaps becoming receptive to Christ and his word? Until then, What's the best way to stay true to your faith in their presence? And something, something worth thinking about. All right, well, we are finishing up chapter 25 this morning of Deuteronomy. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 19, the end of the chapter. And we've got two paragraphs, so we will do it paragraph by paragraph. The first paragraph is 13 through 16, and there we read, You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a full and just weight. You shall have a full and just measure, that your days may be prolonged in the land which Yahweh your God gives you. For everyone who does these things, everyone who acts unjustly, is an abomination to Yahweh your God. Weights and measures is talking about business, business transactions being, um, gosh, sorry, my 
earpiece thing came loose again and fell down and made a mess. All right. Just pulling on my ear. <laughs> Can't turn your head when the cord won't let you. Um, so weights and measures is dealing with being fair in business. Weights and measures are how things are, are measured. Um, a, a measure was a, a thing of volume, you know, like a, a cup, you know, we use cups, everything from teaspoons to cups to, you know, gallons, whatever that measure volume. And then there were weights where things were measured out by weight, you know, so many pounds and ounces of this or that. They used different units of weight back then, but you get the idea. And, and we're used to this. You know, we buy a two-liter bottle of pop. We buy, you know, a pound of coffee. Although, when did a pound of coffee become 12 ounces? They made the pound smaller instead of raising the price. You know, when I go buy a pound of coffee, I want a pound of coffee. Um, I just always think about watching old westerns. When the guy would walk into the general store and he'd want a pound of bacon and a pound of coffee and a pound of tobacco, <laughs> yeah, he'd be, you know, some mountain man be getting ready to go back out in the field and he'd go in and buy his, his stuff um, for his, his supplies that he couldn't procure for himself in the wilderness, um, bacon and coffee. And uh, so, you know, we, we're used to measure. Measures and mates, <laughs> weights and measures. Oh, um, we're we're used to this idea, and and so the the what what God is saying is, don't have two weights, one for your friends and one for your enemies, or one when you're buying and one when you're selling. That's that's the main thing. You'd have one set of weights. So that when you bought, you bought the full measure you were buying. But then you'd have another set of weights and measures that you would use when you were selling. So that you'd actually sell less and, and therefore reap a larger profit. It's cheating. It's flat out cheating. It's cheating in business. And, and, and what this passage is saying is be a fair and honest business person. Be fair and honest with your dealings with other people. Don't lie, cheat, and steal. You know, so this is, this is very important. Now, the, the thing is that he says that if you do this, if you are fair and equitable in your business tradings, and everybody does business. Don't think this is just a merchant. You do business with merchants. You know, you go to the grocery store and buy stuff. You, you know, sell your time to your employer. Give full measure. Don't short, don't short those you're selling to. And, you know, you certainly don't want to be cheated when you're, uh, when you're purchasing stuff. So this was, this is important. He says, if you do this, 
your days may be prolonged in the land which Yahweh your God gives you. Which is again coming back to the fact that the entire Mosaic Covenant, the entire law of Mount Sinai given to Israel, this entire thing was temporal and conditional. Do these things and God will bless you in the land. Don't do these things and you will have trouble in the land or you'll be exiled from the land. But the whole focus is on the here and now. Israel in the land. There's no promise of salvation in the law. And, and that is something that, that we need to always keep in mind. You know, because you can't keep the law. <laughs> Neither can I. Um, so the law served two purposes. It was to, you know, we were talking about the three purposes of the law. Um, in, in our Theology Thursdays, we're looking at the chapter on the law in the uh, 1689. And, and the law does have, you know, purposes in the life of the believer today. But never is that purpose salvation. And specifically, the law was given to Israel to govern their conduct in the land with the promise that if they were obedient, they would be blessed in the land. If they were disobedient, they would be cursed from the land, <clears throat> which we saw all took, all took place. It was prophetic. Excuse me. I do have a frog this morning. But I wasn't up at 4 o'clock, and this is not my second pot of coffee. I am going to refill my coffee, though, because I need something to drink. Next, you will hear the squeak of my Yeti thermos. There it goes. And the lid is off. Tap it so it doesn't drip on my leg. Pour a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. This is Trailblazer Blend from um, Montana Coffee Traders who do not sponsor this podcast, probably don't even know I do a podcast. They obviously know I buy their coffee because they send it to me when I send them money. What that did get me thinking, you know, I buy a bag of a flavor of coffee and it's 12 ounces. It's not 16 ounces. It used to be a pound of coffee. Um, at least, but hopefully they're honest about how much is actually there. <laughs> um, hopefully when they say it's 12 ounces, it's really 12 ounces. Um, so equal weights and measures. Be fair in your business dealings. Don't short your customers. Don't cheat, you, you know, in, in either way, in buying or selling. You should not be cheating. So weights and measures should be the same at all times. You know, and obedience led to prosperity in the land. Then we have 17 through 19, and this is dealing with the Amalekites. Moses writes, remember what Amalek did to you along the way when you came out from Egypt, 
how he met you along the way and attacked among you all the stragglers at your rear, but you were faint and weary, and he did not fear God. Therefore it will be, when Yahweh your God has given you rest from all your surrounding enemies in the land which Yahweh your God gives you as an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You must not forget. The Amalekites were to be wiped out. And the reason they were to be wiped out was they had pledged to wipe out Israel. And so God's punishment upon the Amalekites for their treatment of Israel, um, attacking Israel without cause, just because out of out of hatred and jealousy, um, and and fighting against the Amalekite or fighting against Israel, God said, you know, don't forget the treachery of the Amalekites, and this reminder of treachery was to be carried out, you know, carried forward. Remind every generation. He says, remember what Amalek did to you. So, you know, it, it's kind of the remember there is remember it and, and, and continue to pass it on to the next generations so that they never forget what the Amalekites did. And the interesting thing is that he said, you know, he's going to blot out the memory of the Amalekites. But he says, don't forget the Amalekites. There's no contradiction there. What he's saying is, don't forget what they did to you. Wipe them out from the face of the earth. Wipe them out so much that no memory of them remains except for you, you don't forget what they did. That's the idea. And this is something that he says is going to take a while. He says, you know, this will be when you've been given rest in the land, when the conquest is over. Because the Amalekites were not in the land of Canaan. The Amalekites were in the wilderness. They, were, they had attacked Israel while they were traveling and wandering in the wilderness. And he said, you know, once you're settled in the land, you go back and take care of the Amalekites. And, and indeed, you know, there are a lot of Israelites around today. I don't know an Amalekite. <laughs> um, their, their, their memory has been blotted out. Um, but it took a while. Now, the... If you if you're interested in seeing the the um, the actual incident that took place, that's Exodus 17, and you can go back and and read that, and it really doesn't give a lot of details. Um, but according to the 83rd Psalm, the Amalekites swore to wipe out Israel. There, God, therefore, God swore to, and commanded Israel to. Wipe out the Amalekites. So that that is the thing here is don't don't forget the Amalekites. It is important to remember them. All right, that's the end of chapter twenty-five of Deuteronomy. We will resume next Tuesday our study Bible level Bible study by looking at
chapter 26. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the collect for the third Sunday of Epiphany. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The colic for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to the beginning of this day. Defend us by your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin, nor run into any danger, and that, guided by your Spirit, we may do what is righteous in your sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And for the unrepentant we pray. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven, given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home, and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Wednesday. I bid you a very good day. Remember, lunchtime today, you're halfway through the week. Hope your week is going well so far. Hope your day is great. Hope things go well for you in the rest of the week. But uh, really hope you'll be back tomorrow for Squirrel Chatter. Remember, do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. See you in here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.